Shall we begin? Let's begin now. It's the No Accounting for Taste podcast. We're the eight podcast for accountants from Accounting Web. .co.uk. This week we're going to be talking about the end of self-assessment season, Apple's tax bill, social mobility in accountancy, and uh, a little bit on the horrendously named Sweatcoin. Um, with me to discuss these uh, varied and interesting matters are Francois Badenhorst, the business editor for Accounting Web. Hi Francois. Greetings everyone. Richard Hattersley, our practice correspondent. Hello everyone. And making his pod debut is uh, Nigel Harris, a partner at Burton Suite. Hi, Nigel. Hi, thanks for having me. Nigel, before we get started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your firm? Yeah, well, Burton Suite is a four-office firm, four partners and about 60 staff uh, across Bristol and uh, areas southwest and Supermare, Shepton Mallet and uh, Froome down in Somerset. Um, Must be quite an interesting client mix. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting mix. It's mainly owner-managed businesses. Um, we still do a lot of audits, unlike a lot of uh, firms now dropping out of audits, but we have a, a lot of interest in uh, not-for-profit charity sector, so we're heavily involved in audits there. Lovely. But it's a bit of everything, and uh, yeah, as you rightly say, this time of year we're just getting over tax season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's only one place to start. It's February the 1st, which means only one thing. It's... Freedom for accountants, the, the, the end of the self-assessment season. Now, I'm going to come to you first, Richard. Um, you started... Come to me in shame. <laughs> peak, uh, yeah. peak self-assessment season with an article proclaiming the death of tax return <laughs> and uh, you just published on this week saying uh, it's alive. Yeah, I don't know, maybe I should throw to you, Nigel. Was I, uh, was I right in my pronunciation there? <laughs> was it the death of the uh, busy season or was it as business as usual? I, 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 I think it was marginally busier this year, and I'm not quite sure why that is. I think there might have been a, an overall sigh of relief that MTD wasn't happening, and then all of a sudden we remember that we had to do tax returns. Um, so I think last, the last couple of years have been pretty good. Uh, this year there was a bit of weekend working, uh, talking to one or two people in other firms. Uh, they were doing eight till eight, seven days a week in some firms uh, around us. So, yeah. yeah, it's certainly not getting any better. And, you know, I, I don't think we'll be shedding too many tears if tax returns do disappear. The moral, the moral of the story is that we can give Richard one of those Donald Trump fake news trophies uh, for, for publishing this misleading... I will add it to my cabinet of already full of fake news awards. Uh, what, do you, what, what do you put that down to, Nigel, that, the, that is continuing to get busy? That's difficult to say, to be honest. I think some of it is... is down to us not chasing the clients better but but if I look at the sort of workflow I reckon in the last couple of weeks of January it's the same clients that have come in in the last couple of weeks of January every year so we kind of know which ones it's going to be uh, and to be honest we're kind of ready for it our aim was to finish all our tax returns by last Friday which gave us three days to deal with the rubbish and <laughs> the latecomers and that, that seems to be a fairly successful yeah, approach. Yeah, I was I was talking to uh, talking to one account this morning who filed her last client tax return at five to midnight and uh, then woke up with her face on her desk at three a.m. Um, but it's it's as you quite rightly say it's it's generally the same clients you know that come to you in the last couple of weeks and yeah. uh, the accounting web members have 
sort of put forward a range of solutions for this sort of sacking clients or putting um, financial penalties in play. Uh, what's what's worked for you, Nigel? We've tried both the, the carrot and the stick approach, <laughs> and and putting on a penalty for people that, that come in, say, after Christmas, um, just didn't work at all. It just wasted so much time with the admin and clients arguing about they weren't going to pay it. Uh, then another year we tried doing a discount for people who brought their stuff in early, and that was far more successful, so I think we might try that again. Uh, to say, you know, if you bring your tax return in by, say, the end of July or, or something like that, um, then we'll give you 10% off, something like that. And that's easier administratively to manage mm. as well. It's funny, sort of psychologically, the uh, incentive rather than the penalty yeah. to get people yeah, going. Definitely. It's always the case that if you incentivize better behavior, it works better. Mm. And, and it, like you say, if you have to start penalizing people, it's just a bureaucratic nightmare. Yeah, yeah. And both of you, before we move on from self-assessment, both of you... Uh, have hinted at the the making tax digital juggernaut looming down the line. Um, from what you've seen, Nigel, is it been uh, is is this something that is likely to be the end of busy season, or is it just going to be four lots I of think busy seasons? Yeah, I think it's four busy seasons, isn't it? I mean, cer certainly the, the the demise of tax returns is is definitely coming because so much of what we currently put onto tax returns manually, HMRC will will populate at their end. Which, it, which is as it should be. I mean, why, why have I got to get P60, PAY information from the client to put it onto the tax return so the revenue can then come back to me and say, well, that doesn't match what we've got. Well, why don't they just use what they've got in the first place? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and if they can do that with interest and then with company dividends, that will take out a huge proportion of tax return filing. Um, so, yes, with making tax digital, in theory, we'll then have to do four returns of some sort. Or, or five is it or six I can't remember what the latest <laughs> number was but yeah lo loads of the things but, but I mean the, the problem is and, and we, we've spoken about these clients that leave everything to the last minute you know are they going to be leaving everything to the last minute four times a year <laughs> that's just a nightmare isn't it you know the last day of every month or every quarter it's going to be the same clients bringing in their carry bag going am I too late and under MTD the answer will be yes you are too late <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, moving on then from a lot of relatively small tax bills to one enormous one, Apple's Irish tax bill to be exact. Fran, you were all over this. Yeah, I was. I, I, I think I, um, I started out uh, in in total ignorance of, of of how any of this worked, and um, I have to give my thanks to to Seamus Coffey, uh, an Irish economist who who very patiently walked me through <laughs> what was happening. Um, yeah, so I think uh, many accounting web readers will, will be familiar with the uh, original um, state aid case that the European Commission um, um, enacted against Apple. So it, it largely comes down to the whole thing of like uh, Apple didn't declare its profits in Ireland, uh, which effectively minimized its tax bill to uh, you know, basically zero. <coughs> and. Um, the European, the European Commission calculated that, in their eyes, they should have actually paid um, 13 billion euros in back taxes. Uh, 2014 was two, was a tax bill of 2.5 billion alone. Um, the Irish government disagrees with this, and the Irish um, Tax Revenue Authority, I think I'm not sure what they're actually called, so forgive me on that, um, they, they, they've disputed it. Um, and both Apple and the Irish government are are, are taking are, are appealing it, so that that court case could take years to 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 uh, unfold. Now the Irish government has set up uh, had to set up an escrow account because this tax bill is so big, 
um, and they will start begrudgingly collecting it, I think, in a few months' time. Now, the big thing is, is really um, what happened after that decision, so in 2015, um, which is if you look at the actual tax bill or if you look at the profits, um, the profits are the same in 2015 to compared to 2014, but again, we see that the tax bill has gone down to zero. Now, it comes down to what Apple did to manage that because they are now declaring the profits in Ireland, but the tax bill, like I say, is, is still basically nil. Now, what they did is, um, and, and this is a shame to explain it to me, is that there's a different Irish company that has licensed the, the IP, the trade secrets, um, the products from Apple, which obviously is a huge expense. So there was like this massive capital outlay, and they're now uh, using capital allowances uh, to minimize their tax bill over the course of um, like four or five years. Um, now, the European Commission has said that they are taking a, uh, taking a close look at it. I can't imagine they're very happy about it because basically it's just, you know, they're basically just not paying taxes again. Um, but it's, it's also quite weird because there's this, there's this internal tension in the Commission between the Commission's own tax authority who uh, want to uh, create a consolidated corporate tax base in the EU and are kind of advocating for this system of like capital allowances on like IP and in, on, on uh, intangible assets. And then you've got like Margaret uh, Vestage, I think her name is, Vestage, which uh, what the actual pronunciation is, um, who's saying that, oh no, they're not happy about this and then, then they're um, gathering information. So it's just like a lot of intrigue. And I guess, I mean, <clears throat> it's a sort of spirit of the law, letter of the law mm. type yeah. arrangement. So does this, play, does this play into the Brexit camp in this country? Because it's basically the EU saying, we don't like your tax system, because mm. they, they were complying with the Irish tax system, weren't mm. they? Yeah. The EU were then saying, actually, we don't like it, we want to impose a different tax system on yeah. you. Precisely. I mean, it, it's a case of the Irish tax authority is saying that, like, we disagree with this. Apple doesn't owe taxes, and it's it's legal, and it, they they um, they're saying that you know, that as far as they're concerned, that there's there's no outstanding liability. But then the European Commission obviously is yeah. basically parachuting in, being like, yes, you do. So um, it is it is their their foreign cash pile is uh, quite prodigious. Apple, I think, two hundred fifty two point three billion um, in foreign tax. So I I think a lot of the um, uh, new tax bill published uh, by the Republicans in December is going to allow Apple to bring a lot of that back without a major tax hit, which I think is a, a long-standing company goal, but mm. uh, yeah, plenty of water to go yeah. over the bridge. It, it's pl plenty of water and plenty of money, I think that's the, that's the key. I th the, the thing that's, it's a combination of it being so complex and the actual numbers involved is being so stupefyingly big. Uh, you know, Apple has, has, has literally has more cash than I think some small African countries probably. So, mm. Mm. yeah. So, uh, yeah. From Apple to someone who is the apple of my eye, Richard. Uh, you'd written a uh, <laughs> you'd written written a piece on as an AC, ACCA report on social mobility in accountancy. That's right, Tom. The um, interest report really just worth flagging up is called the purpose and the profession. So what? What the ACCA has found is that um, the, the accounting profession should really identify more proactive approaches to um, 
continue improving social mobility, so it should play a greater role in attracting a more diverse talent pool. So what's really is found is that, um, for example, if your parent or guardian or someone within your family or friends has gone to university or has a professional qualification, you're more likely to go down that route than otherwise. Um, so what they're sort of advocating is sort of opening up the profession more, um, getting more engaged within schools and to um, make sure that the accounting profession is a viable, realistic career option for people from all social backgrounds. Um, and I, I, it's, it's an interesting one really because uh, one of the things they mentioned was that um, accountancy firms, if they're going to be taking on a new recruit, would they take on someone who has experience over, over someone who was not able to take unpaid internship um, to bolster their CV? Um, Nigel, we were talking beforehand about this as well and about how uh, firms looking at uh, talent coming in, uh, which ones to pick. Do you, would, would this... Uh, when it comes to taking on uh, new recruits, what what would be sort of the uh, the mindset and the approach when it comes to this? Uh, well, I have to say I don't really recognise the, the the points that they're making there, but that's probably because I'm working out in the sticks at, at the moment. We've got three vacancies, um, and I just can't get people to to work uh, 25 miles south of Bristol because they can get probably 10 grand more in, in income by, by working in Bristol. So we're up, I mean, I think there are two sizes. The, the big firms, I think, play it safe. They recruit graduates, they recruit highly qualified, highly driven people because their business is to get them through their exams the first time um, as quickly as possible. We're, we tend to recruit mainly from school. We've had uh, a number of people that we've taken on to do apprentices, so we've put them through evening class at a local college. We took a guy a couple of years ago on what used to be the New Deal, which is people that were long-term unemployed. Um, and then we took them on. I think they were unpaid for, for quite a period of time. We provided training. Um, you know, the guy had various mental health issues, I think more than um, academic, probably had a degree in maths. Mm. <laughs> um, but he was brilliant in the end. But, but I think smaller firms like us were forced to actually take draw a, a much wider selection of candidates and I think that's been really positive for us you know we've got a whole variety of backgrounds and people yeah so is this is this a sort of urbanization thing or is it a big firm I think it's a big firm, firm versus small firm yeah, I think yeah. if you speak to most small firms you'll find that they've taken on recruits from a whole whole range of backgrounds mm. when we say when we say um, you know recruiting from more diverse backgrounds it sounds like in your experience it's more a case of actually connecting small firms that have a demand for for employees with people that are looking to get into the profession yeah yeah definitely um, and encouraging them to, to look locally rather than saying you know if you live in Somerset or Wiltshire don't think you've got to go to Swindon or Bristol to get a job look at the local towns you can get really good quality training um, and you get a you get a, a diversity of training you won't if you if you come to one of the big firms in Bristol, you're going to be stuck out doing the same audit for about six months. Mm. Six months with us, you'll have, you'll have dealt with 30 different clients, so very different training. I think there's a case as well of, of obviously, this report focuses on accountancy specifically, but I think it's the same with a lot of professions. I mean, my sister's a doctor, but um, she was the first doctor in our family, but she found, I think, pretty much everyone else on their course had a parent or sibling who who also worked in the medical profession yeah. so 
I think it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a psychological thing, you know, like, like you say, it comes down to your family history and, you know, if you limit your, like, you, you almost like psychologically limit your horizons of what's possible. But it's a shame because, like, because uh, I've read before about how um, accounting and qualifications and working as an accountant and just generally in finance has been uh, a really great uh, job for upward mobility and, like, immigrant families and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, a bit of feedback corner now. Uh, we had a comment comment last week from someone called the Great Grumble Duke um, who says, uh, who picked up on your comment last time yeah. around, uh, Fran, about nationalising the audit function. Um, I didn't realise the socialist worker was doing podcasts now. Wow. <laughs> listen, um, listen, do you, you want yeah, to retract do. that or, or no, double down? Just, just because my middle name is Joseph Stalin doesn't mean <laughs> that... Uh, no. So, um, so the, the, it's, I was more just floating the idea. The, the thing is, and, and, and you, you, you do audits, you might be able to, to, to give some input on this, Nigel. It's just, with, especially with the big audits, with, with these blockbuster fees, it just does seem to me that... They don't. The big firms don't have much of an incentive to find things that are wrong, or to be um, particularly fastidious. And given the amount of like large scandals we've seen recently, I just, I I'm, I just don't think that private regulation will work that well. Mm. No, I, I I think you're right. I mean, it, it, we we have we have a long tradition in this country of independent audits, don't we, within the profession and. Most of the time it works. Uh, there are clearly problems with what some of the big firms are doing, mm -hmm. and maybe they're getting a bit complacent. It would be nice to see more firms auditing uh, the FTSE 100s uh, and, and the bigger companies. Yeah, we, uh, we're talking about diversity here with ACCA. I think it's a question of just increasing competition. Um, if, if we are going to go the free market way, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't help if it's a free market dom like dominated by like an oligopoly of just like four, four companies. Yeah, and uh, they've also kindly picked up on my reference to uh, the number of FTSE 100 companies uh, not audited by the big four. I said one, it is actually two. Uh, Rangold is audited by Grant Thornton, and the delightful sports direct uh, is a BDO. Um, so, yeah, I'm, the, I'm so sorry. The audit of sports direct is the only audit that you have to check Mike Ashley's pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Um, yeah. <laughs> And finally, um, well, um, I wrote a blog uh, last week on the delightfully named uh, Sweatcoin. This is a, an app on your mobile phone where you exercise and uh, are paid off in what they're calling cryptocurrency. I'm not quite sure it fits the definition necessarily, but you're basically paid in a small amount in vouchers for every thousand steps you take um, that you can redeem in vouchers from places like uh, Fitbit and uh, Boohoo.com, which was a new <laughs> one on me. But, uh, our fashion correspondent, Francois, tells yes, me it's uh, a sort of upmarket promo. Don't worry, everyone. I'm, I'm here to explain it to, uh, yeah. to, to all the people in Cutting Web. Mm. Well, of course, if anybody saw that BBC programme last night, they debunked this whole thing of the 10,000 steps, so I'm not quite sure where this is going. Mm. The, the, the idea is that, that shorter, more intense exercise is better yeah. than trudging for 10,000 steps. 100%. That saves me the hassle from doing those 10,000 thousand yeah. steps which and I must stop, have done. Stop doing the 10,000 So what are those boohoo vouchers that so like, going for? <laughs> like, you're getting some added value on the podcast this week. That's really good advice. So the, the whole thing is, I mean, this whole concept of people think that if you can, you can just spend like an hour walking slowly on a treadmill, it's just not the case. 
Just no. do some star jumps until I'm, you feel dizzy. I'm praying. I'm planning to sprint to the pub on Friday. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the 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 founders they they they've got a couple of million pounds worth of um, VC investments. Mm. So uh, they the founders were very excited and were sort of positing that uh, one day you'd be able to work off um, some of your tax bill. Now, uh, one of our um, regular readers, uh, DJ KL. Um, had basically come in, left a comment saying, well, I'm going to set up my Meccano set then, and yeah. uh, they'll yeah. basically just uh, be able to work yeah. on my tax bill from that. Or so. just like like, a, like we were talking earlier, just put your fitness tracker uh, like on your dog's collar and let him sprint around the park for a bit. <laughs> your figure's going to go through the roof, guys. Yeah, yeah. That's what, I suppose that when, when you bring money into these, these types of arrangements, then uh, I guess the potential ways in which it could be gamified increase exponentially um, yeah. but I mean the, the question also of like how these guys have received millions of pounds of funding and I mean it's you know it's, it's just a question of my goodness what what are we funding at this point like if you want to the, the logic of like VC funding at this point is just mm. quite strange to me the only image I've got in my head now is these really sweaty people walking to Boho <laughs> with their vouchers to get. Yeah, but um, that's it. That's me done. Yeah, that, that's a, I mean, pretty we'll much. Leave, we'll leave you with that mental picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think we've run out of time for today. Um, thank you to Fran, uh, Richard, and um, Nigel. Uh, Nigel, where can we where can we find out more about you or? Um, uh, Burton Suite. You can always track me down on LinkedIn, but the Burton Suite website is is www.burton-suite.co.uk. Fantastic. Uh, similar to uh, similar to you, you can find me, Tom Herbert, on LinkedIn. Uh, my Twitter handle is awebtom, all one word. Um, Fran, where can we find you? I am on LinkedIn. If you could spell my name, and then uh, I'm on Twitter, Fran Very Bad. Um, I'm very sensitive, so only send me lovely words of praise. And Richard? Yeah, find me as well on the old Twitter machine. Uh, you can find me at AWebRichard. Fantastic. So thank you all. Thank you to producer Abby. And uh, you can subscribe to us um, wherever you find podcasts. And for everything else from the accounting world, accountingweb.co.uk. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. <laughs>